Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today, within the Librocube, is Movie Monday. Move over Monday, because it's Movie Monday. What? No sense whatsoever. But we don't have to make sense in the Libro Cube. That is one of its beauties. Beauteous beauties of nonsensical nonsense-making. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. Warning. People, take this warning. Take heed of it. Something else that I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million no! Ridiculous! The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you um, subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes because that, my friends, is what helps podcasts grow and belch. What? No, that doesn't make any sense. Again, nonsensical. Today's sponsor is... Austin Powers, Shagadelic Shag Carpeting, Tongue and Groovy Hardwood Installers. Um, let's go Incorporated. Once again, today's sponsor is Austin Powers, Shagadelic Shag Carpeting, and Tongue and Groove Hardwood Installers Incorporated. Okay, movie the first. It was, for me, anyways, a long weekend. I never, well, have not since my honeymoon, taken a sort of week-long vacation. What I like to do, and what I do do, because it is what I like to do, is take off um, Mondays and Fridays, sort of spread out throughout the year, because that relieves the pressure more often. Huh, you feel me? Yeah, feel me. Uh, I've worked it out in such a way that I have never, I have never, that I will never, during the course of 2003, work for more than two weeks in a row without having a vacation. Eh, how about that? Took a lot of math, but I did it, despite um, figuring it out. It was accomplished, and so far so good. So, uh, I say that because I have six movies, so a nice roundish number of movies for you today. Lovely. Movie the first, and sort of second, is uh, called Woody Allen, colon, no, not Woody Allen's colon, Woody Allen, and then a colon, and then a documentary. It was in two parts, which is why I say kind of two, but I'm only counting it as one, so I guess you could say I kind of have seven movies, but we'll just count this as one, despite it being broken up into two parts. Oh my god, I went into explaining that much, much more than I planned to, and I apologize for that. Uh, This was good. It was one of those movies on Netflix that Netflix is like, hey, hey Jordan, you're really going to like this movie. It was in my, uh, what they call the top ten for Jordan. I assume this is the top ten based on things I have rated, not the sort of top ten for people named Jordan. That is my assumption. Usually, uh, actually I think always, the recommendations 
Netflix has made, uh, I have enjoyed. Why not, on that note, just throw out my rating of four to five. Yeah, it was good. It was, if you could not tell from the title, a documentary about Woody Allen. Yes. He, uh, appeared quite heavily in it, along with just, uh, mind-bogglingly, mind-bogglingly number of, like, stars and fellow directors and comedians and what have you. Just just a crazy amount of people got involved with it, which uh, I like. I like to hear. Uh, Woody Allen movies, I have enjoyed some in the past, and uh, I think after watching this, I will search out some of the ones mentioned and enjoy them as well. Like, uh, did I see Bananas? I can't remember if I did or not. I kind of don't think I did. That, uh, apparently is one of his better comedic movies. He, something interesting I kind of find about him is that his movies certainly run the gamut from the comedy to the (laughs) not-comedy. And uh, he is praised highly for both of them. So that's uh, kind of a cool little little tidbit. Other little tidbits uh, are the fact that he is a, apparently, a very good clarinet player. Like a, uh, I guess what you would call a, a jazz clarinet player. To me, the clarinet, and this is just kind of what I remember from uh, high school, was like the most easily made fun of of all instruments was the clarinet. Like, even more than the flute. Huh. Tidbit and other is the fact that he has written all of his movies on a typewriter. What? On the same typewriter, no doubt. This thing is a friggin' monstrosity, man. Total old school, total friggin', uh, it showed pictures of some of his sort of, I don't know if you'd call them first draft scripts, I guess maybe you would, in which there's like, they're covered in whiteout, uh, he's got parts stapled in to other parts as things sort of move around, they just, notes everywhere, it looks like a goddamn mess, I don't know how he turns that mess into a movie, but it is impressive. Uh, it delved a little bit into his whole, uh, was married to Mia Faro, 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 and then, um, the whole, uh, what, what was the girl's name, Sun Yi, Sun Yi, Sun Li, Sun Li, Sun Yi, what? Anyways, uh, his, uh, I don't know, affair, I guess you would call it, between, uh, Mia Faro's adopted child, Sun Yi, and they are still together, and I guess happily married, so, interesting. Uh, I don't know what my opinion is on that. Great sort of age differences between, uh, between people. It's, it's always, uh, sort of creepier, I think, when the man is very old and the girl is very young than the other way around. They're both a little odd, just, and odd, I, I think, only in the sense that they don't happen very often, or odd in that they creep me out. I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint. Anyways, why don't we leave it behind on the note that uh, I recommend this, because uh, it really shows sort of uh, Woody Allen and his craft. Something just sort of off the top of my head there that I found very, very interesting is he's sort of prided as one of these great, uh, amazing directories directories. Yes, he's a great directory, Woody Allen. One of the greatest directories of our generation. Of course, I mean director. Oh, God. Uh, However, he and all the sort of actors and fellow directors pointed out that his sort of directing style 
is minimalist to the point that he almost could not be there and it would still get done. Like he won't give and does not like giving a direction to the actors. He almost, and I don't think he meant this to come across, but it almost seemed like he had a bit of uh, contempt for actors. Uh, I, I can't see that being true, but it kind of felt like that at points. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Better uh, leave that behind and move on to another documentary. What? Two documentaries. I love them. I can't help it. I watch two. I bring back two. Hey, leave it. Leave it alone. Don't touch that. Uh, this is a documentary you may have heard of because I believe it is very, very popular and has sort of exploded onto the scene. Yeah. It is called uh, Searching for Sugar Man. Do you know this one? Uh, recently, I kept hearing about it, hearing about it on podcasts, and just like all over the place, I seemed to be hearing about it. And then uh, I saw that within the last week or so, it, came, it became available on Canadian Netflix. So, duh, I pulled the trigger and watched it, and I am happy that I did so. Because I love a good documentary, and this just so happens to be a good documentary. Let's go... Rating-wise, to get it out of the way, so don't forget, because sometimes I do, uh, four to five. Yep, it's, uh, it's comparable to the Woody Allen documentary. Both very, very comparable in their execution and goodness for my eyeballs. This is the story of the search for Sugar Man, uh, <laughs> as you can tell by the title. Sugar Man, uh, did I write down? Nah, uh, shit. The dreaded name curse brought on by the gypsy that cursed me. I can't remember the name of Sugar Man. I think it was Carlos. Carlo? Carlos. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, he was in the... Oh, I didn't write down years. I didn't I write down a lot of things for this one, apparently. He was um, in the 60s, I believe it was recorded some uh, some music in Detroit. Detroit, if you don't know, sort of uh, uh, jazz and rock. Uh, not so much rock, but, but jazz and then rock sort of exploded from uh, Detroit around this time. And this guy was sort of just playing in a bar down by the docks. And... Uh, some some record executives, I guess you could call them, that's not perhaps exactly accurate, uh, heard about him, went down to see him, and just sort of immediately fell in love with him and his voice and his songs, because he had written his own songs, and they sort of immediately brought him, to the, brought him to his studio and got a recording done, and then nobody bought it. What? Nobody bought it in the U.S., I should say. However... This uh, recording somehow, some way, made its way over to South Africa. South Africa, at the time, sort of at the height of apartheid, uh, this song sort of sang to them, huh. and became he became one of the most popular. It became one of the most popular albums in South South Africa at the time. So hugely popular in South Africa, making presumably good money from record sales in the states nothing now uh a story went around and uh, it changes sort of uh, almost a la broken telephone type story that uh this this sugar man this carlos 
uh, whatever his name was, shit, killed himself. Not only did he kill himself, but killed himself on stage. The first example of the story I heard in this movie was he was on stage and lit himself on fire after he had completed his sort of set. So pretty crazy. And everyone was sort of under the assumption he was dead. So these filmmakers decided they want to, to sort of find the story behind uh, this man and this death and this song and how everything got started, right? Now, cool thing, cool thing is that sort of along the way, through their investigation, they discovered he was not, in fact, dead. He was alive and living in the States, in the States where he lived with zero knowledge of his fame in South Africa with zero money uh, earned from the sales of his records in South Africa. What? So basically, it sounded all kind of uh, shady, and they sort of hinted at that without, I guess, outright pointing at someone saying, what are you doing selling these records, not giving the creator any money? That kind of that kind of vibe. So on the one hand, you feel bad for him that he potentially has lost, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in sales over the years. However, uh, the sort of heartwarming part of the story is that once the filmmakers found he was in fact alive, and then uh, sort of, uh, I'm not sure if they arranged it or just sort of got arranged, I don't know, uh, he started playing concerts in South Africa, sold out concerts in South Africa. So uh, I think it was, it was a pretty staggering number that he had done there so far. It was like in the 30s, I think, sort of sold out concerts every time. So he'll go there, do a concert, make some money, then come back to the States where nobody's ever heard of him. Uh, and then I guess go back to his regular job, which was like sort of uh, manual, not, ma not manual labor per se, demolition. That's what it was. Uh, so very, very interesting. Imagine being famous in one country and not in another. Sort of uh, how David Hasselhoff is huge in Germany, apparently. And yet, well, here, we've <laughs> here by here I mean in Canada and the U.S., we've at least heard of him. Whereas with this Carlos, uh, nobody's ever heard of him. One thing, just to sort of point out how good, apparently, he was at uh, his craft was that um, a lot of people were comparing him to sort of Bob Dylan at, at his prime, as, as far as singing, playing the guitar, and songwriting in particular. Okay, I uh, spent too much time on that, so I'm going to have to hurry through this last one, which is called So I Married an Axe Murderer. Aha! A blast from the past, this one. I uh, have seen it before. Watched it, actually, this past weekend, if you are unaware, was Mother's Day weekend. So, my moms, as J-Rock from Trailer Park Boys would say, my moms came down, and uh, we watched this movie because it is one of her favorite movies, and kind of funny because uh, I got her this movie for Mother's Day last Mother's Day, last year, however, we never sort of got around to watching it, so we watched it this one, hey... It's all coming together. Uh, this movie stars Mike Myers, as well as Mike Myers as his father, sort of a... Uh, how Eddie Murphy likes to play multiple characters in movies, uh, for some reason. Just two for Mike Myers. He's not greedy. It's the story of a man, Mike Myers, played 
him, uh, who falls in love with a woman. Uh, sort of a bit of a rom-com, lighter on the rom, heavier on the com, which is why I guess I like it more than I would a normal rom-com. That's romantic comedy, in case you are unaware. Falls in love with this woman and then decides, through sort of quite strong evidence, that she is a uh, axe murderer. Well, not specifically axe murderer, but a, uh, a widow maker, I think is a good way to, to say it. Uh, someone who gets married and then kills their husband. <laughs> kind of debated whether or not to watch this movie with the missus, just in case she got any ideas. I should say that if I die mysteriously, um, she has seen this movie, so I don't want to do the math there, but, you know. The uh, love interest in question is played by Miss Nancy Travis. I think if you get a look look at her mug, you will recognize her. Uh, she was very good in it. Very much enjoyed this movie. In particular, also appeared Mr. Alan Arkin. It's my Alan Arkin impression. All I can say in the impression is his name. Alan Arkin. And it's not very good either. Uh, I'm at work, so I'm going to have to wrap it up without saying much of anything about the movie. Uh, I do recommend it. I'm going to go 4 to 5. Oh, man, we're at 444 four, four so far. Pretty crazy. Two small things I want to mention is that this movie contains two montages. That is two montages in one movie. Oh, do you miss the 90s? Yes. One was a uh, meat montage, how I would describe it, and one was like a lovey-dovey montage. Lovey-dovey. Folks, I will be back in eight, in eight hours to do three more movies. Hey, these are numbers I'm throwing at you. I know it can get confusing. Just don't touch that dial. Assuming, of course, you have a dial, uh, you probably don't. Don't touch that button. How about Love you, dearest. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Eight hours of work completed. That was for a day back after a day off. Uh, not too shabby. Not uh, a tremendous amount of catching up to do, which is really all I look for. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, that has concluded Jordan's work talk. Another rousing edition. Let's jump back in, why don't we? To Movie Monday. Hey, that is what we're here for. That is why we have gathered here today. Uh, I am, of course, assuming that every listener I have is gathering around one uh, radio. I don't know how you are listening on the radio when this is a podcast. It doesn't make any sense, but that is what I am assuming. I seem to recall this morning making no sense, so uh, why don't we stick with that theme? Ah, which will also carry on into our next movie called... Alter Egos. Alter Egos, available on Canadian Netflix. Lovely. Uh, this is a movie in which the world in which it takes place, superheroes do exist. For realsies. Uh, so I like that thought. It's, it's, I, I like the thought of taking sort of an ordinary this-type world, and then just, hey, 
let's throw in superheroes and pretend uh, it is real. That doesn't normally happen with superhero-type things. For example, um, Superman. The, the world of Superman just doesn't have the same realness of this world, but this one does. A little more grittily realistic, let's call it. Uh-huh. The thing I like they did, too, is that in a world in which superheroes exist, as you can imagine, villains, and I guess particularly supervillains, um, they are sort of a, a finite resource, and once they are all captured, you know, that's, that's it. Job well done, but job done. So what do you do from there? So uh, the story kind of starts with us learning this fact, and that the government will no longer be using tax dollars to substitute, substitize. I don't, I don't even think that one's a word. Substitize. Subsidize the superheroes. Because, hey, what are they around for? Come on, people. Superheroes exist. Uh, I guess it's sort of like, a, it seemed kind of like an X-Men uh, in that it's not so much... It's just sort of a, a genetic mutation, I guess, uh, how you could look at it, how these people exist. So the possibility exists. Uh, anyone born can have these sort of genetic mutation, which can give them, quote-unquote, superpowers. Okay? That is where we are. Now, the story is kind of a little love story. Uh, just a little bit. Don't If you're a guy, don't be scared off by me saying that. Uh, it doesn't focus too heavily on that other than sort of the main character. The main character, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. He, uh, I don't think finds out is the right word, but he decides that his current girlfriend is cheating on him. However, she is cheating with his sur superhero persona. I guess in this sur superhero world, superheroes have alter egos. Oh, hey. I'm an idiot, hence the title. Uh, yes. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, his current girlfriend, his alter ego's girlfriend, uh, has sex with his superhero. Uh, so he's like, fuck that, cheating, cheating biatch, and dumps her ass. <laughs> Stupid. So uh, he is sort of away from that scenario and out at a, in a hotel, sort of out in the boonies doing a prisoner exchange. I guess this prisoner is one of the last captured supervillains. Huh? Oh, uh, just on the note, since we're talking about superheroes, let me tell you what their powers are. The uh, the sort of main character, his superhero name is Fridge, as in refrigerator, as in he can make things cold and kind of uh, not so much shoot ice as just like he'll sort of look at you and make that face that people make trying to do things with psychic powers. Kind of like you're taking a dump, that sort of face. And then cold air will shoot out and yada yada yada. Not uh, too original, obviously. His sort of... Uh, uh, I don't think I'd say partner, but the other superhero in this movie, I guess you could say. See-through. Yeah. So, uh, apparently every superhero on Earth is a member of this guild, this group of them. They all get a sort of similar-looking uniform, uh, different colors with a letter on their chest indicating their name. So, for example, Fridge had the letter F for Fridge. 
see-through had the letter C for see-through, so I didn't get that. Hmm. See-through? He could see through things, yes. I uh, did use at one point to look at a hot broad and see her. Well, that's what I, one thing I didn't get, didn't look at her naked, look at her, looked at her in her, um, unmentionables. But why wouldn't you go, if you have that power, just go all the way and do full bore nude looking at girls. Huh? Yes. Uh, oh, I better hurry through this because I got two more to go. Okay, so basically the story is that, jeez, <laughs> it's kind of a strange one. See-through has sort of tricked Fridge into coming to get this supervillain and do sort of a prisoner exchange. Tricked him in the sense that his sort of scheme and the scheme of the higher-ups in this organization uh, is that we need supervillains in order to get our funding back. Uh -huh. So that's just what they're going to do. Create a supervillain using Fritch... Fritch using Fridge to uh, kill this supervillain. Why would he kill him? Because this, as it turns out, as he learns, is the supervillain who killed his parents. Oh, sadness. Batman-y. Uh, he does not go through with it. Or does he? I can't remember now. And uh, chaos ensues. Good times were had by all. It is. Uh, it was a very good movie. I am going to give it... Does it deserve a five? Hmm. Normally on the show, meaning the show, I don't have difficulty giving ratings. But uh, here I am. I'm not sure if I'd give it a five or not. Uh, and I'm not sure if I'd give it a four. And I don't like giving halves. So, uh, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> yes, okay. How about that for a rating? Not sure if it deserves a five. I'm not sure if it deserves a four. And I don't like giving half marks. That is this movie's rating. Moving on to Winter's Bone, or as I like to call it, Winter's Boner. <laughs> Etc. Not usually too excited about uh, sort of best picture nominated Oscar movies. They usually kind of don't do it for me. I don't think it's because my expectations get high. I don't think that is why. I guess it's possibly why. However, they're usually just, like, kind of not my bag of tea. This one I did enjoy in the effort to do what I've done so far today and give out my rating before I forget to do so. I'm going to go with 3 to 5. If you are unfamiliar with my rating system, 3 to 5 I like to use for movies that uh, I enjoyed while watching, which I did but probably would not watch again, which I won't. This this movie fits very, very well into that rating. It is starring Jennifer Lawrence, who was very, very good. That is actually kind of the only reason I decided I would actually watch this movie. That, and it is now available on Canadian Netflix, sensing a theme here. Are we not? We are. So she was kind of the main reason why I decided to bite the bullet, despite the thought... Despite, I'm making up words left, right, and center today. Despite the thought that uh, Academy Award Best Picture nominations... Or did it win? I don't even know who won. I don't pay attention. I kind of... I don't avoid them per se, but I don't go out of my way to watch them. That's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So it stars Jennifer Lawrence as a young girl, 17-year-old, who 
uh, sort of left with a mother who apparently there's something wrong with her. I never quite caught on what exactly what the problem is with her mother. Crazy, I guess. Sure. Uh, so the mother, the younger brother and younger uh, sister. So it's just, just the four of them. And Jennifer Lawrence is forced to kind of hold down the fort because their father is missing in action. A.K.A. M.I.A. Hmm, acronyms. So that's uh, where your story is. Uh, it comes about that their house is going to be taken from them because uh, I guess the mortgage is not being paid by the, f- the father who is not there. Hey, makes sense. The one way sort of around this fact is if the father is dead. So, uh, if he is dead, Jennifer Lawrence's character is not going to jump for joy, but he sounded like a bit of a scumbag, so I don't think she's going to be overly distraught. She's got to sort of prove uh, he's dead by finding his body, basically. Uh, she knows the sort of dealings he had. She knows the sort of people she had these dealings with. So she sort of uh, basically hassles them until they give the location of the body. She then has to get his hands uh, <laughs> that are chopped off and then brought to the authorities. And they all live happily ever after. I guess. So uh, I just blew the whole movie there for you. But uh, I think this is a movie that, despite knowing what happens, still has some interesting points. And I would recommend it to you. If you like the sort of Academy Award dark drama type vibe. Which, I don't know, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Hence the three rating. It's not a movie that I would watch again. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Lastly, and leastly, yeah. I think it is leastly, is the movie Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas, I had medium to high hopes. Did it let me down? Not sure if it let me down, or perhaps the combination of it and my brain let me down. This movie was confusing. Uh, Which is a complaint that I have heard by others, so that makes me feel not as stupid. Uh, I think I have decided... Uh, and did I write this down? I may have even written this down. Uh, yeah, I, I even wrote this down. I, I figured out a good way to look at this movie and not be disappointed by your confusedness. Uh, this is a movie with six stories that are quote-unquote interconnected in some way. Six stories from six different time periods and they are connected. The people, you probably know one of the sort of uh, the catchy things, I guess you could say, about this movie is that uh, actors such as Tom Hanks will play characters within each of these different timelines, okay? Not each, but within a lot. Uh, it makes it easier just to say each, so I will say each, although it is not accurate. Whatever, okay. So the way to watch this movie and not be disappointed or confused by it is to ignore the fact that they are connected whatsoever and just sort of focus on the individual stories themselves, which are interesting, okay? So it's a a picture that you were watching a uh, long movie that is, in actuality, six 
uh, smaller, teeny, uh, TV show-sized uh, vignettes. Huh? If you, if you do it that way, I think you're going to be okay, because the stories themselves are interesting. It's where you try to figure out how they are connected and why they are all together. That's when it gets kind of, hey, what? Huh? Who? There? Bleh. So I'm not going to run down the actors. You can IMDB that. But uh, it's kind of cool the different roles they played within each of these. I will run down um, each of these stories. Just a brief little blurb here. So they play out of order and sort of jump around between each story. Oh, you know what? I wonder, and I think would be cool, if existed a version of this movie where it didn't jump around so much, where you got you got the first story, and then it went to the next story, and then it went to the next story, and so on and so forth. You could probably cut it like that. Uh, and I, I think if you did that, this movie would be better. Haha! How about that for a thought? Probably many people would disagree with that thought, but hey, it is my thought, and I threw it at you. <laughs> so, first story takes place in 1800s, or in 1800, or in the 1800s, somewhere around there. Uh, about a guy on a ship and a slave and a yada yada. I have to do this quick because I'm getting close to home. Next story takes place in 1930. Uh, it is about a composer, uh, two composers, I guess you could say, one young, one old, and how they write a song. The song, I'm not sure if it's so much a song as a, as, it's not an opera. Anyways, yeah, we'll just say a song. Wrote a song, composed a song that uh, was called Cloud Atlas, so I guess that's sort of where they got the title of the movie. And the book. This is a book, too. Next was in 1970, in which a journalist, played by Halle Berry, I will say, uh, sort of poking her nose around in places it doesn't belong. And uh, see that right there? So far, each of these is sort of an interesting little story. Next is takes place from today, uh, sort of present day, and uh, this is about a guy who is basically uh, his brother sticks him in an old folks home, and how he tries to escape. This particular story was my favorite out of all of them, and I think could have made for a funny movie on its own, so I enjoyed that part. Next, it takes place in the year 21-something, so in the future. Uh, this part, also very cool, involved clones, this Asian broad, Who's, uh, who's been cloned, apparently, and cool shit happens there. Last is post-apocalyptic sort of vision of the far distant future. As you know, if you've listened to many of these post-apoc... many of these po podcasts, not, not these post-apocalyptic podcasts, although I guess if the apocalypse happens and you're listening to this, then that is what this is. Wow. I just blew my own mind on that one. Anyways, that uh, is is the last uh, bunch of stories from Tom Hanks, Halle Berry. Very, very cool stuff there. As you know, uh, I love post-apocalyptic type things, so I like that. Folks, I'm just about at home. Uh, just, I guess, on a final note, is sort of a good thing to say. A good thing to say, <laughs> that was not it, obviously, is that uh, I did make the attempt, actually, to read this book, Cloud Atlas, and it was even more confusing than uh, the movie, so I guess I should have sort of expected to be confused by the movie. Whatever, I'm an idiot, all right? Folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice.
Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper